Be thou our vision, O Lord, of our hearts, not be all else to us, save that thou art. Amen. Please be seated. I'm going to let others deal with St. Paul's reading, and I'm going to dive right into the reading that we heard from 1 Samuel, because it contains in its opening line some of the most chilling words that I run across in Scripture. It's a story of Samuel's call, and here's how the time in which Samuel lived was described. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Vision, visions were not widespread. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. That kind of vision famine, that vision desert, pops up in the Bible any number of times, and it shows up throughout history since the Bible was written, and I wonder if it might describe the times in which we live these days. These days, do we find that the word of the Lord is rare and visions are not widespread? Is it true in our churches? Is it true in our politics? Is it true in the inner geography of our spiritual lives? So we gather on this holiday weekend. It's a holiday in the sense of a holy day as we remember the life and witness and ministry of Dr. King, a saint of the church, best known, probably best known for the vision expressed in one of the most important speeches of the past century. As you know, on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, he talked about the dream, a vision. And uh, may I suggest a spiritual practice if you have the day off tomorrow which is to revisit that speech, to read it or to watch it. Now, Dr. King was not a perfect human being, as those who sought to undermine his ministry were quick to point out. Nevertheless, in my own mind, maybe yours, he is counted among spiritual giants like Mother Teresa and Desmond Tutu, who seem to operate on some other plane whose way of being seems quite far removed from my own thin faith, my own depleted sense of courage, my own indifference to injustice. And while mindful of my own spiritual limitations, his articulation of the dream nevertheless inspires. The speech was given in a time when we could say that the word of the Lord was rare, a word that called for justice and respect for all people. That wasn't happening. It came in a time when visions were rare as centuries-old intractable issues of racial divide seemed beyond remedy when it was hard to see any way forward and any path to healing. And our daily news might tell us that we still live, we still live in that kind of time. So one of the things I've been thinking about is that Dr. King did not share his dream in isolation. He had help. I got two examples. Uh, the first, the written text of the speech he gave on those steps did not originally include all the stuff about the dream. It was only after Mahalia Jackson, who sang at that gathering and stood near the microphone, shouted out at a pause in King's speech, speaking directly to Dr. King, she said, tell them about the dream, Martin, tell them about the dream. And Dr. King heard her, and he pushed aside his notes and he lodged into that magnificent vision of a better day without notes. So if we can't be like Dr. King, how might we shout out support for the dream the way Mahalia Jackson did? A second example, and a disclaimer. 
I don't usually offer movie reviews and sermons. I don't know that much about movies. But last week, my wife and I watched the movie Rustin. It's about Baird Rustin, a civil rights activist who, because of his sexual orientation, was pushed off center stage, and he had to work behind the scenes. The march in Washington in 1963 was his idea. It was the fruit of his coordination efforts. It was the result of his vision. And with only about six weeks to plan the march, he dared to dream of a gathering of 100,000 people. He was told that was insanely ambitious. So when 250,000 people showed up in August, August in Washington, he was vindicated. At the end of the march, there were 10 leaders of the organization who were invited to the Oval Office to meet with President Kennedy to push for civil rights legislation. Bayard Rustin was not invited to that meeting. His lifestyle precluded that public role. So, spoiler alert, turn off the volume if you don't want to hear what happens at the end of the movie. <laughs> but we see Bayard Rustin at the Lincoln Memorial. After the crowds had all left, Scores of volunteers begin to clean up the mess, the trash. The final scene shows him asking one of the volunteers for his garbage bag and an apron and that thing you stab trash with. And Mr. Rustin began picking up the trash, an illustration to me of what Jesus might do. And the point in all of this is that the articulation of the dream in a season when visions were rare came not only through Dr. King, but through a call that came to many other folks, many famous, many not. With her gift of song, Mahalia Jackson brought her gift to support the dream. Baird Rustin brought his gift of community organizing, working tireless behind, tirelessly behind the scenes to make it happen. And each one played their part in setting forth the dream in a time when visions were not widespread. And I believe that on this Sunday morning, on this holiday weekend, in this community of faith, that is a word for us. How are we called to participate in the dream of God? How can we use our gifts to the participate in the fulfillment of that dream? How are we called to do so? The readings before us talk about call stories of call, which is a big theme in the season of Epiphany. And there are all kinds of these stories of call in the Bible. It's almost comical <laughs> to see the variety of ways people respond. Moses said, not me, I'm a lousy public speaker. Isaiah said, not me, I'm a person of unclean lips. Jeremiah says, not me, I'm just a kid. All of them and others alongside with them imagine that the call from God was a wrong number. And so Samuel, a young boy, maybe Vanderbilt's age, a young boy hears a voice calling his name in the middle of the night. And it takes him three times before he realizes that it's the voice of God and he responds, speak, for your servant is listening. That launches on, um, him on a ministry as a, Israel's greatest judge. And I wonder, in your own life, in your own spiritual journey, if you've ever had to hear God's call, oh, a number of times before you recognized it, have you been able to say, once you figured out what was going on, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I am ready 
to be part of your dream. Moving in the Gospels, Jesus in the process of gathering his disciples and Nathaniel gets the word that Jesus about Jesus and he responds in a way that makes me think he'd be a good Episcopalian and maybe a good New York Episcopalian. He says, when told of Jesus, can anything good come out of Nazareth and just plug in any place that you think is podunk or that you think is out of touch or you think is not filled with the right people, fly over territory or whatever it is. Jesus is unfazed by Nathaniel's skepticism, maybe even his bias and his bigotry. Jesus welcomes him. I think Jesus seems to like him. And Nathaniel teaches us that as we hear a call, God is able, well able, to withstand our skepticism, and our limits on how we imagine God is able to work. Tying all this together, we read these stories today because I believe each one of us in this room is being called, specifically called to express the dream, to believe in the dream, to participate in realizing the dream of God. So I guess the first question, what would you include in your I have a dream speech? When I began ministry, uh, I heard Ed Friedman talk. He was a rabbi who used to consult with congregations and um, (laughs) seek to guide hapless clergy. (laughs) And he said, you know, every rector should give an I have a dream speech once a year. And that is not just advice for Zach, who, as I will note in sermon after sermon from the first sermon he gave as rector, has given us a vision, a dream, of a community increasingly dedicated to following Jesus in the way of love into justice and peace. Thanks be to God. But the truth is, it's not all Zach's job. Each one of us, I believe, is called to craft an I have a dream speech. After all, the baptismal service says that we each are to proclaim, preach, by word and example, the good news of God in Christ. Now, if you're not sure what that speech should be, you could do worse than offer the prayer of young Samuel, speak, for your servant is listening. And it may be a dream for your own spiritual life, for those you love in your household or beyond. It might be a dream for this church, for St. James. It might be a dream for our partisan civic life, It might be a dream for an end to wherever you see injustice in the world, and we don't have to look far. I love the vision of Howard Thurman, one of my spiritual heroes, whose dream was this, as quoted in Verna Dozier's book, The Dream of God. Howard Thurman had this dream. A good creation of a friendly world, of friendly folk beneath a friendly sky a good creation of a friendly world, a friendly folk beneath the friendly sky. We could do worse than have that dream. So if you are, if you, and this might be a good discipline for a day off tomorrow, if you can gather your thoughts into an I have a dream speech, then ask yourselves how you're being called to participate in making that dream come true. Maybe in some sense you have the microphone like Dr. King. But in baptism, we are each called 
to preach and proclaim by word and example the good news in Christ. And maybe the way you do that would be encouraging others to speak of the dream the way Mahalia Jackson sang her way into the dream. Maybe your gift is to work behind the scenes in a quiet way, exhibiting the humility of Baird Rustin, finding your equivalent of picking up trash on the Lincoln Memorial steps. We share in the dream of God in this community. It is the dream expressed by Jesus, who we see as we heard in the prayer, the light of the world. Jesus's I have a dream speech may be prayer he offered for his disciples. May they be one as we are one. Or maybe it's the prayer expressed in his hope of drawing all people to himself. Or maybe it is the dream expressed in his first sermon. I think it's his I have a dream speech given in his hometown synagogue. Two mixed reviews, I might add. But he said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release of captives, to offer recovery of sight to the blind and freedom for the oppressed. It seems to me that Dr. King, a saint of this church, a faithful follower of Jesus, that his speech in August of 1963 is simply a variation on that first sermon given by Jesus. I think it was Dr. King's version of the gospel. So what is your version? What does your I have a dream speech sound like? And how might you strive to make that dream come true? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.